0: Good evening. It's good to see everyone here this evening. Uh, we'll start out with three fifty-six. I believe in Jesus. Let us sing. I believe. Four eighty. We'll sing this song before our opening prayer. I've got a little bit of feedback in this mic. Not really sure. Four eighty. Let us
1: sing.
2: Let us go to God in prayer. Our most gracious Father, we come thanking you for uh, this wonderful day we've had. We, the needed, the much needed rain, and um, we just give you thanks, dear Lord, for for being our Father. We thank you so much for the the love that you had for giving Christ to die upon that cross of Calvary, that we have that hope of eternal life one day, for all mankind. Father, we. Come before you earnestly for many in this congregation who are uh, having severe health issues at this time, those who are in the hospital, those who are uh, seeking treatment and having tests this week. Father, we pray that you'll be with and give them comfort, and give those who are ministering to them. Uh, we just pray that you'll help them to give them knowledge to, know, to be able to treat uh, our family. Father, we pray that uh, you will be with us this evening as we block out just a few minutes of time to just help us just to solely concentrate upon you and what, uh, during this period of time. Father, we we honor to come before you also, and Lord, our country is in such disarray uh, and so many factors, dear Lord. Father, we just pray that you will be with this body here that meets Central. We pray that you'll help us to, to be a light. Uh, we pray, your Father, that you'll help us, dear Father, to put matters in perspective. To be able just to look to you and rely upon you. And, Father, we ask this upon the rest of our community, those who believe upon you. We pray, your Father, that this more and more that, you know, we will be able to to look to you for answers. And we pray for our country. We pray for the leadership that they will come to know you and that they, their father, will look to you for answers. We know this is the only way. We know this is the downfall of our country is because we've gone such astray from you. Lord, we pray that as not only for our country, but for the whole world as there are so many th- problems um, worldwide. But in all, we give you thanks for um, all, all the true blessings we have that we take for, take. for uh, just don't appreciate at all times. We love you, and we just pray that you'll continue to be with us through this time of service. In
0: Christ's name, amen. This will be the song before our scripture reading and lesson. If you'd like to stand, let's stand together as we sing this song. Let us sing.
3: Before I get to the scripture reading, I was asked to announce that they'll have Bible story time for those three years old to kindergarten, just letting you know that's available. Uh, scripture reading tonight is coming from the English Standard Version, it's John chapter 3, verses 17 through 19, that's John chapter 3, verses 17 through 19, and again, I'll be reading from the ESV, it says, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned. But whoever does not believe is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and people love the darkness rather than the light, because their works were evil.
4: Good evening. I, uh, we have a really good number for Sunday night, and I appreciate... All of you being here, um, turn to Genesis chapter 11. Genesis chapter 11 is where we're going to be pretty much the entire time tonight. Um, Appreciate Tom's prayer, um, asking God to be with our country. And we're going to talk a little bit about some of those things tonight, or at least make allusions to some of those. Um, and, And I appreciate it because in a lot of the turmoil that we're in, it is because, as, as he mentioned in his prayer, we, we've we've left God, or or a lot of our country has left God, and uh, it puts us in a in a tough spot. I also want to mention uh, this morning. Uh, y'all heard the announcement um, where uh, Greg is is going to pursue other opportunities, and and Josh is stepping into that role, and and uh, I think I have a unique perspective to comment on that. Um, Greg. Uh, Greg replaced me uh, 11 years ago, and uh, and so I, f- I felt in some ways that he's I don't know I think he's out in the back working on some he's been my he's been my son in the faith and so now Josh is my grandson and so <laughs> so I'm gonna spoil you man. <laughs> I'm I'm really excited I'm really excited for, for Josh and the opportunities that he's going to bring with our youth and, and uh, we'll, we'll miss Greg but I think Josh is going to bring a a completely different culture um, to that role and uh, I'm excited it's going to be a blessing so um, so we're excited for that if you're in Genesis chapter 11 begin reading with me at verse one now the whole earth had one language and the same words. And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children of man had built. And the Lord said, Behold, they are one people, and they all have one language, and this is only the beginning of what they will do. And nothing that they propose to do uh, will now be impossible for them. Come, let us go down there and, and confuse their language so that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord dispersed them from there over the face of all the earth, and they left off building the city. Therefore its name was called Babel, because there the Lord confused the language of all the earth, and from there the Lord dispersed them over the face of all the earth. It's a story that we're probably somewhat familiar with. The earth is being repopulated after the flood, and people are descending from Noah and his sons. And we find out here they're all speaking the same language. And it might be a little bit crazy for us to think about that. It makes, it makes sense why they would, but that's a concept that's pretty foreign to us today. Um, because people all over, the, all over the world speak different languages. If you go to any airport in the world, you can listen to a lot of different languages being spoken. Um, in fact, all over the world, people are speaking different languages and different dialects within those languages. I, I travel a lot for my work, and, um, and, and I'll, I'll, I'll report to you that people up in Boston speak a different language. They claim it's English, but it's, it's totally different. Um, next month, the college group is going to Panama, and we'll need translators to help us teach and preach and visit and, and talk to people. Translators for us to speak from English to Spanish— but in certain parts of the, of the province where we're going to, there, there may be the need for an additional translator, one for English to Spanish, and then another one to, to translate Spanish into the native tongue of the, the Kuna Indians who live near uh, where we'll be, be going. Uh, we, we, for, for a group of people to be all speaking the same language is a very foreign concept to us, and, and it makes sense. It does make sense for this to happen because, uh, you know, these people descended first from Adam and, and then from Noah and his sons after the flood, and so from that standpoint, you know, if we were to go to a family reunion and meet a grandchild who didn't speak the same language as us, didn't even understand what we were speaking, we would be, hold on one second, why, why don't you speak the same language as I do? You know, we've had, why, why would that happen? Um, so, so these are all speaking the same language, and in Genesis 11, it said they all had the same language, and not just the same language, but they were saying the same thing. It was the same words that united them, and there's not anything wrong with this. Uh, there's not anything wrong with this being a tie that binds them together, but what we see as we continue reading is that this tie, and they allowed this tie to bond them tighter than their bond to God. In verse 2, it says, As they migrated from the east, they found a plain in the land of Shinar and settled there. And they said to one another, Come, let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone and bitumen for mortar. And it's, it's like this is when something changes with the people. They have this same language that's binding them. And it's important, and, and we'll see later that, that, this is, that God maybe uses their language to, to save them. But when they start coming together and they say, okay, now we can do something. We, we, have, this, we have this incredible technology where we can make bricks. And, and we can build whatever we want. And this technology is, is just pushing us so much further into the future than anybody before us. Um, not only do we have bricks, but we have this new technology to where we can waterproof those bricks. Um, where, where we can use this, this asphalt or mortar to, to, to make these bricks waterproof. By the way, where did they learn that great new technology? God had taught Noah how to do that to the ark, right? Prior to that, waterproofing wasn't necessary because there wasn't a lot of rain. There wasn't any rain. But at this point, logic has, has taken a back seat because they, they want to make something great. So there's no logic in this decision-making process. Instead, they're focusing their decisions on themselves. What makes me feel good? What makes us greater together as a people? God had already told them the things that would make them great as a people. But those considerations flew out the window. Groupthink is a psychological phenomenon that occurs within a group of people In which the desire for harmony or conformity in the group results in an irrational or dysfunctional decision-making process. There's a um, cohesiveness or the desire for cohesiveness in a group uh, is going to produce this tendency among its members to agree at all costs. And this causes the group to minimize conflict and to reach a consensus decision without critical evaluation. Now, to some, some, to some people in the room, that probably didn't sound like a bad thing. And to some people, that probably sounded like a very, very scary thing. Because if we can make decisions without critical evaluation because we don't want to make anyone upset, that's a scary place to be. And what we're seeing here in Genesis chapter 11 may be the first documented case of groupthink, of a groupthink effort. So they come together and say in verse 4, Come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the heavens, and let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. So first, they're directly disobeying a commandment of God from earlier in Genesis chapter 9, verse 1, when he told Noah and his family to be fruitful and to multiply and to fill the earth. To, to be dispersed and fill, over the, fill out the whole earth. Total ignorance of God's command. But secondly, there was also total ignorance of a promise of God. And I think it's significant that we see that. Because going back to the, the waterproof, why in the world, if you're going to build a tower that high, why do you need to waterproof it? And they're thinking, well, we, we, there was a flood. We saw a flood that happened. Maybe that flood could come again. But they're forgetting God's promise. Total ignorance of God's promise. Genesis 9, verse 12. God said, This is the sign of the covenant I make between me and you and every living creature that is with you. For all future generations I have set my bow in the cloud, and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and the earth. When I bring clouds over the earth and the bow is seen in the clouds, I will remember my covenant that is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh, And the water shall never again become a flood to destroy all flesh. When the bow is in the clouds, I will see it and remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature of all flesh that is on earth. That is quite a promise. In fact, it's an incredibly unique promise because it's a promise that we see there at the beginning for all future generations. And for every living creature of all flesh that is on the earth. You know, we see God make covenants with his chosen people. We see God making covenants with individuals. But this is unique in that it is for all living creatures, present and future, all living creatures. Um, this is a covenant between God and us still living today. And that includes people who don't even recognize God as, as deity or, or even in existence. This is a covenant that he still keeps with them regardless of their obedience. This is a covenant between God and animals. I think it's really neat that, that, that Moses chooses to write that, that this is a covenant between all creatures of flesh. And it makes me wonder if when an animal, maybe a deer, sees a rainbow, and perhaps there's a rainbow in the sky right now after our storm, if a deer sees that rainbow, do they understand to some extent what that means, that there's a covenant between their creator and them? Do they understand that, that they have a creator and a protector and a provider? Because it's a covenant that God made with them. I don't know. I'm not, I, don't, I don't think that the animals are Disney characters. are going to start talk, talking or anything. But I think it is interesting that, that God would make a promise, a covenant, with even animals. But the people in Genesis 11 have decided for themselves, no, no, no. Promises or no promises. Covenants or no co- covenants. We know what's best for us. And, and we know, and, and, and logic is just thrown out of the window, and it's evidenced by the fact that they ignored God, and it's evidenced by the fact that they forgot about the significance of the rainbow. We're so great, we're so smart. Let us build a city and a tower as monuments to our greatness and our intellect and our ability to live without a God. And they united in their ignorance their desire for harmony and conformity in the group, and it resulted in irrational and dysfunctional decision making. Let's consider these people for a moment. They're not far removed from an everlasting covenant that we just talked about, they're also not far removed from God showing his power and his judgment. They're not far removed from God having rescued eight souls from the flood. And yet here they are, enjoying all the fruit of God's salvation, all the fruit of God's creation, and not recognizing him at all. They would not be the last people to do this. Dan read for us from John, uh, and we'll start in verse 16 in chapter 3. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him, whoever believes in him is not condemned. God's given us an incredible promise. Here's my son, and you can have an inheritance through him. And he goes on to say, but whoever does not believe is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only son of God, And verse 19 tells us why. And we studied this at at Bible camp a couple weeks ago with the young people. This is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his works should be exposed. People love darkness rather than light. People loved garbage rather than riches. They loved, what, they loved what they could build versus the inheritance that God promised them. They didn't realize what the light held for them. Just think about this. Matthew Henry, in his commentary, compares the building materials in Babel with the building materials of God. And he says, What a difference there is between men's building and God's. When men build their Babel, brick and slime are their best materials. But when God builds his Jerusalem, he lays even the foundations of it with sapphires and all its borders with pleasant stones. And you can find more about that in Isaiah 54 and Revelation 21. But what he's saying is just the gravel in God's heaven that he's promised us is is nicer than any stone that they think they're so smart for being able to build that they can build a tower with. God builds better than us. Why, are we, why do we think that this is so great here? We love darkness rather than light. We love garbage rather than riches. Sometimes I wonder if the people in Genesis 11 can remind us of anyone today. That group desire for harmony and unity and to not offend anybody at all costs to the point where we abandon logic. Uh, To the point where we can no longer even define what a man or a woman is. Uh, To the point that we can make an emotional argument as to why a baby in the womb deserves to die. To where we can make allowances for any and all perverse behaviors that our mind can imagine. And this is the world that we live in. The arrogant and egotistical emperor unknowingly hires two swindlers who promise to spend him the most beautiful clothes that only truly intelligent people will be able to see. The emperor sends officials in to check on the progress and each of them are very fearful when they're not able to see anything in the loom so they lie and report back to the emperor and, and tell him that they see the most beautiful garments they've ever seen. The emperor, he can't wait. So he goes to check on them. And he's shocked when he can't see anything himself. So he lies and he says how beautiful the clothes are. And when it's announced that that they're done, he has a parade so that he can show everyone his beautiful clothes. And in the parade, everyone looks on uncomfortably as the emperor parades himself through the city, not wanting to admit that they can't see anything and reveal themselves to be a simpleton. And finally, it's a child who is the one who points out that the emperor isn't wearing any clothes. And this is the world, I think, that we live in today a lot of times. <clears throat> I remember, you know, over the years, working with the youth or working in, at High Rock or with the college group, um, young people telling me, in fact, I'll probably be told this tonight, I hope not, I hope I, hope, I hope I embarrass you enough right now that you won't tell me this later tonight. But I remember people telling me, listen, I don't need another lesson on abortion. We don't need another lesson on homosexuality. And, and so at High Rock, we, you know, we might mention those things. We didn't have lessons on them, and I stopped doing classes on them with the, the college group. But now we look, and those movements are at an all-time high. And the fear of speaking out against any of those things is that we will be labeled as a simpleton or, or a religious fanatic or, or, or a bigot or, or something even worse. And the world parades itself through our communities and it parades itself through our television and through our children's programming declaring themselves to be something of substance. Uh, but in reality, everyone can see that there is nothing there. Everyone can see Everyone can see that a man and a man cannot biologically produce a human. And you know what, unfortunately, just to say that, that scientific fact, that, that could be considered hate speech. People of God can recognize that killing a life in the womb is a heinous and selfish act. Back in Genesis chapter 11, it says, The Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children of man had built. I think it's neat, I think it's great that before God hands down any judgment on the people in Babel that he physically condescends to the city um, to to see what's going on. You know, um, maybe those of you with young kids have had an instance where they decide they're going to paint a mural on something that you didn't want painted. (laughs) And you might walk in and see the evidence of the paint without seeing the mural. And you would say, I don't want to see it. I just want it to be cleaned up. And the kids say, you haven't even seen it. You might love it. (laughs) God knows the hearts of these people. He can clearly hear the words as they're building. He knows why they're building this city. And he can see from the heavens everything that's going on. But he comes down to the earth so that everyone can see that he has seen the city, and he's seen the tower, and that he's giving a fair assessment of what's going on. And more important, the people can see that he's being fair, and that he's seeing what is going on. In verse 6, it says, The Lord said, Behold, they are one people, they have all one language, and this is only the beginning of what they will do. And nothing that they propose to do now will be impossible for them. And some people could... If you want to be antagonistic towards the Bible, you can look at that and say, well, God's, God's afraid of these people. You know, God's afraid that, that they're going to become more powerful than him. And I don't think that's what, what God's saying at all. God's not afraid of the people. I think God's being a watchful parent. You know, my 16-year-old just got their driver's license. Now they think they're invincible behind the wheel, right? Or my, my 18-year-old just finished their freshman year of college, and now they know everything. And I think that's what God is saying. God sees that the people have gotten just enough power to get themselves in trouble. And God has just exacted judgment on the world, and he doesn't want to do that again. So instead of letting it get that far, God says this in verse 7, Come, let us go down, and there confuse their language, so that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord dispersed them from there over the face of all the earth, and they left off building the city. I think this might be a time where God is displaying some incredible mercy. Because sometimes when we realize it the least, God is saving us from ourselves. When we realize it the least, when it feels like judgment, When it feels like punishment or hardship or the answer no to a prayer that we've been praying, it could be God saving us from even worse judgment. He had no desire to bring judgment upon these people like he had done before. So he confused their language and he dispersed them to save them from themselves. Garth Brooks sings a song about running into his high school uh, girlfriend at a football game. And he said he had prayed so hard that God would make their relationship work. And he agonized about this woman and he begged God for this woman, but it didn't work out. And he didn't get what he wanted. And it probably came with heartache, but then he meets her again at at this football game. Now he's accompanied by his wife. And he thanks God for the gifts in his life. And he says, some of God's greatest gifts are unanswered prayers. And that is a hard lesson to learn when you're in the middle of it. And it's a beautiful blessing to see when you're on the other side of it. God, our Father, He wants the best for us. And sometimes what is best for us doesn't make sense at the time. How many of you have taken your young children to the doctor when they had to get a shot? I remember going in with, with mine when they were so little they didn't understand what was going on. And the look on their face, looking at me like, why would you let me do this? Why would you let me go, go through with this? And why would you let this happen to me? And what they don't understand is while it hurts me to see them in pain, I know that momentary pain is, is really what's best for them in the long run. And God takes care of his children and confusing their language was a gift, an unanswered prayer that would save them from future judgment. Winston Churchill wrote, those who fail to learn from history are doomed to repeat it. So, so what can we learn from this historical event? And by the way, I say historical event because, because it is, it is recorded. The Greek historian uh, Herodotus. Uh, said the Tower of Babel, at least some remnant of it, still stood during his day and that he had seen it. So what can we learn from this historical event? I think first, God's objective morality will always reign supreme over the psychological phenomenon that occurs within a group of people in which the desire for harmony or conformity in the group results in an irrational or dysfunctional decision-making outcome, or or groupthink. When we try to please everyone, when we try not to offend, when we accept sin, we become enablers, leading people to a more severe judgment. We need to remember that. Number two, we cannot build heaven on earth. <laughs> we cannot build heaven on earth. I think uh, this may have been what people at Babel we're trying to do. Um, And I think a lot of people try to do this today where they think we can build this, this utopia where not only do we speak the same language, but we are able to say the same thing. And maybe that's what people are trying to do today. Uh, we want to live in a world where there's, there's no hate, and there's only safe spaces, and there's no hurtful speech, and there's no judgment. And listen, if I want to identify as a 25-year-old that weighs 175 pounds, I should be able to do this in this fairy tale land reality. But the truth is, when we try to build heaven on earth and act as if it exists, we're only lying to ourselves, and, and, and parading about like the emperor, make-believing we're wearing the finest clothes when actually we're just naked and shameful. The third thing I think we can learn is that God is fair. He's examined every part of your situation, and he knows what is best for his children. And sometimes it means going through a momentary period of pain or disappointment, but God will always lead us to still waters. He is faithful. And then finally, I think it teaches us that any way outside of God's way will lead to confusion. Jeremiah 10.23 says, I know, O Lord, that the way of man is not in himself, that it is not in man who walks to direct his steps. We're not smart enough to do this thing called life on our own. We're not. We're not. There's a lot of people with a lot of degrees and a lot of letters after their name that claim to know what's best for us, and they don't. Proverbs 14:12 says there is a way that seems right to a man but its end is the way to death. We may think we know but outside of the standard it's confusing, isn't it? I mean this world is confusing. I mean, what's okay to say? Is this okay to say? Well, this was okay to say yesterday, but now it's not okay to say today. And, uh, you know, am I, am I supposed to be a feminist, but I can't misgender someone as a female, and, and now it's okay for girls to, boys to play in girls' sports, you know, and, and I have to advocate for children, but it's okay to kill them in the womb and to expose them to all kinds of debauchery in the name of free speech and inclusivity. And It's confusing. It's confusing when we try to find a way outside of God's way, and that way leads to death. Why, why, why am I teaching why, why am I preaching this? why why Tim why are you, why are you telling the Sunday night crowd? <laughs> why do we need to hear this lesson? Why do you want to speak on these hot button issues and emotional issues? My purpose is I hope that by us looking back and remembering the embarrassment that was the community at Babel, that we can be emboldened to stand for what is right, to realize that it's okay for people to not agree with us. Uh, When we stand for the truth, people won't agree with us. That's a promise from Jesus. To know that Christ said, blessed are you when men revile you and hurl insults at you for my sake. For my sake. To understand that taking on this identity of Christ means that we're committing to live counter to the culture of the world, and we're not going to play along with their games and fit into their desires and comforts. That's not who we are. We're Christians. We're, we're people of another world. I hope we're brave enough to say, when the moment is right, I serve God. Now, with that, let me say, don't, don't take the easy way out on this, Okay? The easy way out is, is to be rude. The easy way out is to shout these things at people. The easy way out is to, to go on Facebook tonight and, and put a very scathing thing about, uh, about a group that you don't agree with, and it's zero effect. there's zero effectiveness. Um, the hard thing is desiring real opportunities. When we see Jesus teaching sinners, talking to sinners, it's usually one-on-one. It's usually a relationship that he has built where he has uh, become, uh, where he's put himself out there a little bit. And that's what it takes for us to serve others, to allow ourselves to be hurt by someone else, to allow their words to hurt us because they don't agree with us. It's not just yelling at people and telling them they're wrong. I hope we can take those kinds of stands because those are the kinds of stands that are hard. Life is confusing and people in the world are looking for answers right now. They are. They really are. They're looking for answers because they're realizing they can't figure this out on their own. There's a lot of people looking at, at what the world has set at the standard is: What you can say and what you can't say and what you can do and what you can't do. And they're saying, it doesn't make sense. I want to know. I, I want to be a good person. But I don't know the things I can and can't do and say all the time. And I'm afraid of being canceled if I do. The world is looking for answers. Be the kind of person that someone can look to for the answers. Be that kind of person because you know that, thanks be to God, we don't have to figure this out on our own. We have to relinquish control, and that's hard. That's hard to give up control. We have to humble ourselves to realize that we don't have the answers and we won't have the answers. But there is one who does. And we can tell people that he cares deeply for you That he sees the parts of you that aren't pretty, the scars on your heart, the mistakes in your past. He sees the embarrassing things that no one else knows about. And he wants you to succeed in spite of it. And he's given us a way to be with him in spite of the fact that sometimes we want to choose darkness and garbage over the light and life and comfort that he provides He gives us that way through Jesus. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And so tonight, if you need to come to the Father through faith, repentance, confession, and baptism, let that happen tonight. If you need to come to the Father through Jesus in prayer as a child of God who needs courage and strength or forgiveness or anything else that we can do for you, please come as together we stand and sing.
1: When you...
0: tim for that excellent lesson this evening in preparation for the lord's supper we've chosen this song i come to the garden alone if you were not able to take the lord's supper this morning and would like to this evening um then it will be served in the in the back uh or if you brought your communion with you, it'll be served here in the auditorium. And if you're online, you may partake of it at this time as well. <clears throat> Let us sing. I-
3: Pray for the bread. Heavenly Father, we come before you this evening thanking you for the honor of being allowed to gather around your table. Lord, we look at ourselves and examine ourselves and realize that we fall well short of the standard you have set. We pray that we each acknowledge this and acknowledge that the only way we can come into you is through the perfection that you granted to us through the sacrifice on the cross when you sent Christ. Lord, we thank you for Christ. We thank you for Him enduring this earth, living a perfect life, and giving that ultimate sacrifice at the end, Lord. And we uh, just thank you so much. We pray that each examine themselves and will take in a uh, worthy and well-pleasing manner. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. pray for the cup. Father, we come before you again thanking you for the cup that represents Christ's blood. We thank you so much for that sacrifice, for the blood that was shed when he was scourged, Lord, when he was nailed to the cross, when he had a crown of thorns pressed down on his head, Lord. We just thank you for the blood that covers us, that we can be perfected in your sight, Lord. And thank you so much for the sacrifice that Christ made on this earth. It's in his name we pray, amen. As this is a convenient time, we will now uh, give thanks for the contribution. Father, thank you so much for uh, this country that we live in, the abundance you give us, Lord. We know that we have our problems, but we know that you take very good care of us and our physical uh, necessities, Lord. We just pray that we all give back and not give from our abundance, but give from our heart, Lord, and that this money will go to broaden your kingdom and increase our influence, Lord. We pray that you're with each of those who have oversight over this money, that it be used in a wise manner. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.
0: Let's all stand together as we sing this final hymn, and then we'll have our closing prayer and announcements.
5: Let's pray. Lord, we're thankful for these opportunities we've had together today to blend our voices in praise of you. And our prayer is that you've been honored by the praise that has been offered up today. And we pray that each participant in coming together to worship you has been spiritually strengthened. Father, we know that satan lurks about and that he is placing snares in front of us hoping that we'll stumble help us to be ever on the alert when tempted to look to you to remember your word and to overcome that temptation but when we do sin lord help us to recognize it to confess it repent of it and pledge to increase our faith to be more faithful to follow you in all your ways Lord when we wake up in the morning help us to remember before we lift our head from the pillow to thank you that you have given us a good night seen us through the night that you have blessed us with a new day to make the most out of that day to live for you. This is our prayer in Christ's name.
0: Amen.